like dating. You need to go see that person and to connect. So is basically dating your birth parents because you're joined in a kind of cosmic way and you have to see their side of things before they have the baby. Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon. My husband and I have four beautiful kids through adoption. If you're new to Adoption Now, we started as a radio program in Denver, and we just started telling adoption stories from the perspective of the adoptee, birth parent, and adoptive parents. It's now grown into the international podcast you hear today. If you go to adoptionnow.com, you can find a story for you. We have episodes on foster care, domestic infant adoption, embryo adoption, and international adoption. Our goal is to help families succeed in adoption. And we're talking about real issues that are happening right now in our adoption community. If you're about to start your adoption journey or you need help in your process, we want to connect you to the resources you need. We have professional services that can help you. Again, just go to adoptionnow.com. So today, I'm excited about our guest. She is a creative entrepreneur and adoptive mom. Nicole Ketchum is the founder and designer of Chandelier by NK, but it's now known as Hey Girl Decor. Nicole, welcome to the show. Thank you, April. Tell us about your business. So my business is Hey Girl Decor, and I make faux acrylic chandeliers for parties, homes, weddings, and events. And... They're great because they're full of color. They don't require any plugging in, so you can hang them inside or outside, have them for your wedding or party, and then hang them in your kid's space or over a bathtub or your bedroom. So that's what I've been doing. It's been a lot of fun. They are really so cute. If you go to her Instagram, what's your Instagram? You can see all the pictures. Yes. Hey Girl Decor. Hey Girl Decor. So I'm excited to have you on the show because you reached out to us to tell your adoption story. Yes. How did you hear about us? One day, I just felt overwhelmed with the need to discuss our story. And I was on the internet and I found you guys. That is so cool. And I love your story because you and I are kind of the same. We're not like the typical adoptive mom. Right. Right. We kind of went around and about in our story and and becoming a mother. So let's talk about why you chose adoption. So adoption was, to be honest, the last choice. We tried for seven years to have a baby, and I have endometriosis and PCOS. It was my second marriage. So by the time I got married, again, it was 36. I had been in and out of surgeries for endometriosis, but I hadn't really been thinking long-term about children, kind of panicking, but not like taking it seriously, like harvesting my eggs or doing any of that. So when we started trying, you know, it was going down to the wire. And by then I had massive scar tissue and we tried naturally. I did acupuncture for two years and herbs, yoga. We did a failed IVF and then I decided that it didn't matter where my family came from. And we decided to just try one last time. And then if it didn't work with adoption, we were done. Mm-hmm. going to not be parents. So. And was your husband on board with adoption? Yes. Actually, believe it or not, he was more on, on it than I was. I had this preconceived notion being raised Italian Catholic that blood was more important than than anything. Family is the most important thing. And... Once I 
stripped that away, I realized that that was just a false statement that I was raised with and it didn't matter. What so. were some of the questions that you were asking yourself when you thought about adoption? Obviously the blood thing, but were you thinking, would I connect to this child? I was thinking that, honestly, I was worried that the parents had to be in our lives every single week. There's so much disinformation floating out there about adoption that I wasn't really sure what was reality. Mm-hmm. So I just I just had those fears, which I think every woman deals with, even even if it's just a fleeting fear. Just you know, am I good enough? Will my this be the right child for me? You know, will I be a good mom? Will I connect with this child? Right. I mean, I had all of those questions too, even though I was born to adopt, like I was so excited. I felt that way as well. And we kind of tell ourselves a story. You know, you don't really know what adoption is all about. You haven't talked to an agency. And I remember when we were in the beginning phases of our adoption and I asked the social worker, what if the birth mother changes her mind three years down the road? And it happened once in a movie. Really? Have you seen Losing Isaiah? I said this to the social worker. And she's like, well, okay, so that's a movie. And I remember feeling like, oh, I felt kind of dumb. You know, you're like, oh, yeah, it is a movie. Well, does that right. really happen? Because that's really all I know about adoption is what Hollywood is saying. Or maybe you have a friend right. who tells you a story. And right. it's not like that at all. Right. So I, I can tell that you were kind of on that, you know, same same uh, page as like, what is my story going to be? And I don't know enough about adoption to pursue it, but you, it looks like you were going to go in that direction. How did you find your agency? Ultimately, we found our agency, we had a couple false starts. We originally tried to do it independently, and that was a disaster. And I don't recommend that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that does work for some people, but it, it brought out, sadly, all the people wanting attention or lying. So that was shocking. And then we regrouped with our lawyer and we were going to use a local agency. We were living in Seattle at the time. And I just, my instinct was like, I don't like this guy. I didn't like the way he Mm. treated us. Again, that was another false start. And I regrouped and then call it whatever you want, divine intervention or whatever. I found this very small agency in California that had, was only taking certain number of parents. And Sadly, in adoption, it's really a numbers game sometimes, and you have to know that going in. So if you join an agency that has tons of parents, you might wait longer. Mm-hmm. And I had already lost a year and a half at that point, and I was, I would say, desperate. And they were only allowing, like, eight parents. And they were pretty like, this is what it costs. This is what's going to happen. And I was like, sign, sign me up. <laughs> and that was really it. And it took four months from signing to the end. Wow. Oh my goodness. Okay. Wait, I want to stop your story really quick because you said two really, really important things that we just did shows on. Okay. We just did a show on fraud. A couple said, okay, we are going to do this ourselves. What you said. And then they got into a situation where until the very end, it was all fraud. And the second thing you said, and we just told this story is that you partnered with or met a lawyer and something in your gut said, this is not right. And you walked yeah. away from it. Well, we told a story where in her gut, she felt like this is not right. And she continued to pursue it. And then it exploded when the baby was born and mm-hmm. he didn't show up and they weren't going to get the baby and foster 
care services was going to take the baby. So those two things we just, we just talked about, Nicole, and you avoided both of those things. So way to go. And I want to tell other families, number one, I really don't believe that you want to do this yourself. And it, and like you said, it does work out for some people, but I've heard more horror stories than I have good out of saying, I'm just going to do my adoption myself and I'm going to find somebody on Facebook and we're just going to hire our own lawyers. I just don't believe in promoting that. And then number Mm -hmm. two, if you have that gut feeling, I don't like this lawyer, I don't like this agency, doesn't feel right to me, Right. walk away. Because if you would have gone down that road, we might be telling a completely different story. But you didn't. I don't know if it was like a culmination of seven years of heartache Mm -hmm. and being older, and I've always listened to my gut, but I was like, no, this is my only chance, and nobody is going to mess it up for me. So my first fraud punk with a woman with fake twins and stuff. I was like, Oh, all right, I'm done over. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it was like, and we had, I have to say that, and I don't know, every law is different in every state, but for Seattle, our lawyer, he was this older guy. He was kind and gentle and, you know, and he was pragmatic and he was just like, all right, do this. All right, do this. So he was like our guide really. Mm -hmm. And he didn't charge me every time I called him, Mm -hmm. even though he was like, threatening me like okay Nicole this is I'm gonna start charging you right that's great yeah and he and that that agency was just the agency so they required a lawyer to cross states because it was you know California agency so if I hadn't listened to myself and I I really do I'm not religious but I'm spiritual and I really felt like okay that agency like popped out of nowhere like Mm -hmm. I've been searching for days and it was like bing right here did I love the agency? I didn't. But did it work out? Yes, it did. So, yes. Yeah, I think a lot of families say that. Yeah. But not loving your agency is yeah. completely different than being taken advantage of, fraud, and being lied to by your lawyer. I mean, completely different things, yeah. right? And you can yeah. get a baby in an agency that maybe you don't love 100%. But in this other case, you're probably not going to get the baby because you're either being lied to or the lawyer doesn't really know what they're doing. So, and I think that looking for your perfect agency is probably not out there, but maybe it is. I've heard a lot of people say that. For us, we didn't have a perfect agency, Mm -hmm. but we had a good agency and we got children. Right. You know, and so tell us what the next step was. So you get matched them, you finish your home study, but everything was done in four months. Walk us through that. Well, so that whole year before was fraud and stops and starts. So then we had to get our home study again because it had expired. So we had to do it again, do the whole thing all over again. And finding that agency, they required an upfront fee, which we paid. And then they said, listen, this is the way it's going to go. These are the babies we're getting. This is the, the people that we're getting that are walking into our agency or whatever. I'm making up a number, but it was like 70% are addicted to whatever. And there's this and this. And then they just sat down with us over the phone and like for two hours and we're like, what do you want? What are you interested in? Where do you see yourself? You know, what child do you see yourself with? And they called me almost every week and I'd be like, nope, nope, nope. And I was just like, okay, I'm just going to listen to my gut still again. And I didn't like the feeling of the calls. I didn't like the moms that were coming in. I was like, nope, this feels wrong. Uh Uh-uh. And at the end of the four months, I was like, 
done. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I was like, all right, cool. We're going to Bermuda. And like the (sighs) next day I got a call. (laughs) I always say that, Nicole, I say that all the time. You want to get matched, go on a vacation. Yes. And I was like, we're not going on Bermuda. We're (laughs) going to a shop. I was like, because I had already let go. I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, I was like excited, but I was also like, wait, (laughs) it was funny. Wait, I'm already packed. Yeah, I'm ready. (laughs) Wait, we're getting a baby? What? And it was a quick thing because the mom, which is crazy, but I've also heard these stories too, that she didn't, she didn't know. I say no with air quotes. No, she was pregnant for six months. Mm. When it dawned on her that she wasn't gaining weight, she was actually pregnant. She had walked into the agency in July and Lulu came October 5th. So, Wow. And they called us in August. What was it about her story that made you say yes? Well, they picked us. So when they called, the agency said, this couple picked you because we were actually in a rare case where her birth parents are still together, which is a Mm -hmm. whole other story. They walked in, saw you, picked you immediately. And then they're like, we're going to email everything over and then you give us a call. And so they emailed everything over. And I don't know, it just, it was just like very benign. Like she didn't want to be a mom. She was young and in tech and he was 47 and with two daughters almost in their twenties. And they had just recently met and fallen in love, but they didn't want that. They didn't want to be parents. And it just felt right. So as soon as we said, yes, the agency is like, you have to fly to California and have dinner with them. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow. <laughs> so yes. I, did that and I want to say something about that because yeah. I have changed a lot. And when I first was told you're matched to this mother in Florida, you have to fly out immediately. I was yes. like, why? I can just Skype her. And right. then I, I had, yeah, right. Why do I have to jump on a plane? But I will tell you, and I'm sure that you feel this way too, that connection is so important. I tell everyone, yeah. as soon as you're matched and they're in a different place, go there. I mean, if they're in your same place, of course you're going to do that, but it's a bigger deal when you have to jump on a a flight, but go there. And when I hear parents say, no, no, our agency's not making us. So I'm not going to, I am like, it doesn't matter. Get on a plane and go physically meet her. Yes. Yes. She needs that. I think she needs it. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's like dating. You need to go see that person and to connect, it, so is basically dating your birth parents because you're joined in a kind of cosmic way and you have to see their side of things before they have the baby. Dating so your birth parents. I like that. Yeah. That might be your quote that I'll use yeah. on social media because I like that. It's true. And everybody's yeah. nervous. What was that like taking him out to dinner? I thought I was going to throw up. I'm really good in most situations, but apparently when it comes to high stress, I am not the best and I shut down. So I was like petrified and my husband was like, fine. (laughs) And the birth dad has a wicked sense of humor. And so he was just like, hey, guys, what if we just like punt the baby like under the table to you like a football? (laughs) You know, he was just like, and he wasn't making light of things. It, It sounds bad, but it wasn't when he said it. We all like laughed. Because he was nervous too, but he was just like, you know, yeah, just keep it cool. And we had an adoption. The agency had like a babysitter with us. So, okay. Like a social worker? 
No, she wasn't a social worker. She worked for the agency. She she called herself a babysitter, but it was okay. basically just to facilitate making sure we weren't talking at a turn or, you know, anything illegal was happening. Right. So, that that's nice. Good. Yeah, yeah, that's really nice. You know, I think funny. it's funny that you said that he was funny because it is kind of an awkward situation, right? And we've been in this before where the, the waitress comes and she's like, hi, and you feel like, hi, and they're pregnant and we're really not friends. This is the first time we're meeting. We're adopting their baby. I don't know. I felt like I had to tell the waiter or something. And then how yeah. weird is that? And if you don't laugh, it's kind of even more awkward. Yes, I was like, I exactly said something similar to that. And then I was like, and please bring the strongest drink you have. Like, Right. <laughs> I got to get through this. Yes. I really was just thinking about her, making sure she was okay and trying to talk to her. She was very quiet, too. Did so, you feel like he was making her do that? Like he was 47, he had two girls? No, but it's interesting. My stepdad, when Lulu was born, he was living in Vegas. So he, we flew in to California and he drove up from Vegas to stay with us, uh, to support us. He felt like that was his take on things. Mm. But I have subsequently, we've, we've all been talking every year and I was sending emails back and I don't ever get that sense. I get the sense that she never wanted to be a mom, but also that she was sad that she couldn't do it, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does make sense. How was she when you first met? You said she was quiet. Did she seem sad? Uh, No, she did not. No, she did not seem sad. She seemed kind of in shock, like me. (laughs) It's weird, and I bet a lot of parents say this, and maybe not, but I felt like she was like my husband, and I was like, the birth dad, like in personalities. Mm. Hmm. And as a woman, I just wanted to make sure I wasn't stepping on her toes or being like, I'm taking your baby. Like I was so cognizant of how I felt just trying to have a baby. So I was like, Oh, the reality is Mm -hmm. adoption is uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and wonderful at the same time. And it was very uncomfortable, but at the end, We'd all loosened up and we were laughing and we actually wanted to ditch the babysitter and she wouldn't leave. <laughs> like, <laughs> we wanted to move from the restaurant to the bar part and just hang out. And she's like, she's like, okay, we got to wrap this up. I was like, really? <laughs> um, that was a good sign. That is a good sign. So you liked each other. Yeah. And I, I love them. Now I will say that he speaks for both of them. Um, hasn't brought any emails out since or done any of that on her own. She's half Korean and Chinese, was born in the United States. She was raised in Hawaii, and I think her mother is either Chinese or Korean. It was a very dominating personality. In fact, when they entered the hospital, they used fake names. So she was petrified. She never told her mother she was pregnant. So I think that that has nothing to do with Andy and Lulu and I. I think that has more to do with her and maybe compartmentalizing her emotions, Mm -hmm. just like she did when she knew she was pregnant and decided to pretend she wasn't. Right, right. So one day I hope to talk to her, but I get it. That's the way she keeps her heart from hurting. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming. She could be totally fine and be like, I don't miss Lulu at all, but I'm pretty sure she does, and... And we're here for her when she's ready. Yes. Yeah, you know. I didn't diverge like that into the. Right. We have interviewed several adoptees 
that have either come from um, an Asian background, just Korean or Japanese. And it's just kind of the culture to not talk about anything. Yeah. So you may never get that close relationship or really talk about what, you know, what you would think you would talk about. And it's just kind of the way it is and we, that she's been trained, but take us to October. Yep. So Lulu was supposed to come October 15th. We had everything set with the plane and everything. And she came on the 5th. So we had, of course. Yeah. Is that your advice for other families? Like don't plan it too much. Yeah, don't plan it. I mean, obviously you have to buy plane tickets, but yeah, we had to eat it and then buy again. And we missed her birth, sadly. Oh, no. We just couldn't get there in time. Mm-hmm. But that was okay because maybe that's what they needed, the three mm-hmm. of them. And then we rushed to the hospital. We got there at night. And then in the morning, we went to the hospital to give them some time. And it was good, but... To be honest with you, I don't remember a lot of it because it was very traumatic for me. Hmm. I'm sure it was way more traumatic for them. But for me, I was in like a state of shock the whole time. So (laughs) talk to me about that. Yeah, well, one minute, you know, I'm not a mom and I've given up and it sounds, I don't want to say crass, but I was like, I had my freedom. And the next minute, like I went from zero to a hundred and I wasn't prepared. We didn't even get the nursery together because... Usually I'm a believer in when you write things down or put things out, they occur. But I didn't want to do that because if it didn't occur, I didn't want to set myself up for that continuous heartbreak. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) I guess I am like the birth mom. I was compartmentalizing stuff and I just had a hard time with the three of them. And then us sitting there and then like us holding the baby and then they holding the baby and then us leaving for the night and then coming back and, it was uncomfortable. Did you feel like the babysitter? Yeah. And I felt like I was intruding. Mm-hmm. I do remember this one moment where the birth dad, his name is David. He was like, hey, Melanie, you got to change the diaper. And she was like, what? I don't know. <laughs> I was like, I, I understand that. She was like, um, no, I don't mm-hmm. want to. And she like pushed the, she pushed Lulu away from her. And I was like, okay, all right. Well, and then I had to like step up. So there was a, a little bit of that. We were joking the whole time and talking about the weather and like whatever, but I actually couldn't wait to get out of there. I was just, mm-hmm. It was too much for me. And it was three days of just sitting in the hospital. So, yes. You know what I love about the show is that I get to talk to birth moms and hear mm. what they go through in the hospital. Yeah. And then I get to talk to adoptive parents and I hear get to hear about what they go through in the hospital and I get to talk to our adoptees and what it was like to be an adoptee. But when I'm interviewing that person, I'm in that person's story. So if you're mm. listening to this and you're thinking, well, she was having a hard time. What about birth mom? Well, we're not talking about birth mom. This is not her perspective right now. We're talking about what it's like to be an adoptive mom. And I agree with you. It's awkward. It's uncomfortable. especially when it's your first baby and then the nurses are all kind of looking at you and you really don't even know what you're doing either. And you're like, oh my gosh. And I didn't even give birth. Like, will they let me even take this baby home? You know, and it's a lot going on and it can be so traumatic and it's nothing like you planned out in your head. Being a mom is not like that anyways, but when you're in that situation. And so I, I can totally relate to what you're saying. There's that stress. There's that, what am I supposed to do next? There's no rule yep. book. You couldn't read anything before, you know? So yeah. 
What did you end up doing? Did you kind of go away? Did you, I mean, how long until they signed the paperwork? Apparently they signed the paperwork right away. So we didn't even have to worry about that. Okay. I wasn't, I didn't even bring that up. We basically had my lawyer call their lawyer and the agency and work through that. But yeah, they signed it right away. It's interesting you said about the nurses. They gave my husband and I a really hard time. And it was a small hospital, and they had never had an adoption. And they treated us like we were stealing Lulu. Mm -hmm. That was really hard on me. Mm -hmm. And also, I, I have a lot of empathy for others. So I think that my empathy for Melanie was like in overdrive. And I was thinking about her the whole time. And I think that just caused an extreme amount of stress on me because I didn't want to say or do the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. And then the nurses were side-eyeing us and being like, I guess you can change a diaper. But then they would be like shoving Lulu back with them. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. And I wasn't going to fight it. I was like, okay, <laughs> that's right. cool. Like, I'm just going to sit here and blend into the wallpaper. Like, right. okay. <laughs> yeah, you and feel like a visitor. Yeah, exactly. My husband was like, give me Lulu. I'm going to change your diaper. Look at my baby. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love your husband. happening here. <laughs> That's so amazing. I, I didn't mean we don't care about the birth mom. I mean, oh, we're no, talking about what you go through. Yeah, because I did have an adoptee once say to me, the whole story in her perspective was about the adoptee and what the adoptee goes through. And so it doesn't matter. Nobody else's voice matters. And this show is not about that. This show is about everybody's voice and story matters. And you can help a lot of people that are about to go to the hospital realize you might not feel what you thought you were going to feel. It might be really hard. Right. And then when you bring the baby home, sometimes it takes a little bit because you yes. were just there with this baby and then the baby's parents. And now like you have the baby and is this your baby? And it's just a lot of things going on. Did you feel that way when you brought her home or how was that transition? Yes. No, it didn't go well. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it. And yeah, it was bad. I had depression and I was apparently suffering from postpartum. And I didn't know that adoptive parents can get that too. Mm -hmm. And neither did anyone around me. So they were all like freaking out. And that made me feel worse that I was like some kind of monster because I was crying all the time. And I wanted to like not do it anymore, not be a mom. Like I made a bad choice. And I just want to preface that with that was my depression talking mm -hmm. because it was such a whirlwind and I'm half introvert and half extrovert and the introverted part wasn't being like um, taken care of. And so I was stressed out to the max and I threw up several times and then I was crying for weeks on end because I didn't have like a guidebook to tell me that A, it was okay what I was experiencing just because I didn't give birth didn't mean my feelings weren't valid. Um, and, you know, they were they were even going to put me on suicide watch. I was like, I'm not going to kill myself. I was just, you know, they were all, like the family members were also worried because they had never dealt with adoption either. So I just said to myself that the only way through things is through. So the only way through is out. So that's what I did. I just honored my feelings. And I was like, not forcing my bond with Lulu and just going through the motions, really taking care of her, feeding her and doing all that. And just like a letting it be. And then the doctor was like, Nicole, it'll happen when it's supposed to. And then I can't even tell you when it happened. Like it just bonded. I just bonded. So 
but they don't tell you that in adoption. Like I thought it was going to be like the emotional cheery experience in the hospital. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it's going to run around singing, you know, that I'm a new mom and that wasn't what happened. And I was shocked. You're going to have a lot of people. I mean, I went through it too. I've adopted four times, you know, so yeah, my first one was like wonderful and a wonderful experience. And then the second was so traumatic that when we finally brought the baby home, I was so exhausted and had gone through so many different things. Like you're getting the baby, you're not getting the baby and been so close with the birth parents and grieved for them that when we brought the baby home, I was very shut down. And I didn't realize that adoption, depression disorder, like postpartum, yeah, is a thing either. I didn't even know because I didn't have a community of people and everybody, like you said, around you is like, oh my gosh, it's so amazing. Your baby's so beautiful. And you're like, yes, but you know, you're not sleeping and you've gone through all this stuff and you're processing a lot of other people's grief. Right. And it's just a really, really hard thing when it's not how you thought it was going to be. That's really good. Yes. I wonder, I mean, it's just occurring to me now, maybe I was processing their grief too, because I I'm, I can't be like in a big room with like a ton of people because I'll vibe off all of them and then I'll be like, I got to go home. Mm-hmm. So that's quite possible what happened to me too. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. And it's unfortunate because I wish I can barely remember that time now. And I really wish that that hadn't been the case, but that's what it was. I just want people to be realistic or just have no expectations and then be kind to yourself afterwards because, mm-hmm. and don't listen to other people. Like, what's the matter with you? Why aren't you bonding with her? Maybe you shouldn't be a mom. Like none of that. Just like give mm-hmm. yourself the grace and then walk through it. That's right. Deal with it. I mean, you're already saying that to yourself, right? You're already beating yourself yeah. up. You don't need other people to come in and, and yeah. kick you around too. But I do yeah. think that you don't know what's going on. And the first time I actually identified with it was when I was interviewing a woman who adopted from Ukraine. And she talked about how she went to the doctor and he said, oh my gosh, you've been through this traumatic experience. You brought home this child. It's not what you thought it was going to be. You know, there's some time when you need to maybe go on some medication or maybe just get through this time. And yeah. she did. And like you, Complete and me completely connected to the child, but when you aren't prepared for it and you don't know anybody else who's going through it, you're just like, I'm the worst. Right. This can't be my story, and now I'm trapped. And yes. all of that, those horrible feelings that aren't real, and they do pass, and you are completely attached to your daughter. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. She's our daughter, and she's their daughter, and together that's our daughter. And like sometimes I'm like, I can't believe. She came from two other people when she is like so mm. perfect for us. Mm-hmm. How would, and sometimes I'm like, how would she be with them? But, you know, it's crazy. It's utterly crazy. Like, I'm hoping that I'm not forcing any of my like little nuances or my husband's onto her. Like, we're just sitting back and watching her be herself. And we're like, this is crazy that she's like, got a wicked sense of humor like us, but also just like David, her birth dad. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and she looks just like her birth mom. You know, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It is. Four years to get there, but. How old is she? She's four and a half now. Okay. You know, I think that it's a mystery. Adoption is a mystery. It It really is. How can this little person be so much like us and how can we cultivate these relationships that are so different. Yes. 
right? It's not a natural relationship to be talking to a birth family of your child that you're raising. But where there is no way, you know, there's always a way and we figure it out. And it can be, like you said, a really, really beautiful thing. And I love that my children pick up our things, like what we do and the things we say. Like my daughter, the one that I struggled with as a baby, she came into my room yesterday and she said, oh, I am just a hot mess. She's five. (laughs) Mom, I'm way oversensitive today. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you are a mini me. Seriously, so funny. but she doesn't, you know, she doesn't look like me. She's Colombian and, but I can see myself in her. Right. And I can't believe I get to raise her. Yeah. And in part who I am and my husband really into her life. And yet she's not blood, right? So she gets this other right. part. So I think sometimes if we can paint a picture for our adopted children is like, you get double of yeah. everything. You get double. You get the genes to these people and you get, you know, love from all these people. It can be something that is amazing. Does she know her biological family? We have everything and we have even, they just sent a Christmas card because they got married. I have started that conversation. You are adopted. You were adopted. You are no longer adopted. You're just our child now. But you have four parents two that gave you life and two that are giving you a life. And as you get older, I will explain more like, cause I don't want to have her circuits fried right now, but mm-hmm. we do have adoptive mom friends. So I'll be like Silas is adopted as well. Mm-hmm. And Candace is his mommy, but he has two other birth parents and she'll be like, Oh, just like me. So like she's mm-hmm. wicked smart. So she's getting it. And we don't, and we have like adoptive books and like, you know, cute little kid books. And, you know, she, and I'm like, you didn't grow my tummy. You grew in somebody else's tummy. Mommy can't have kids. And then she knows she's Asian and Mm -hmm. she self-identifies when we're out. She'll be like, oh, is she Asian like me? I'm like, yes. Mm -hmm. So so that's cool. Like, I'm just, I'm not trying to overwhelm her, but I'm I'm not hiding it either. So. Yes. Lily says my people. Are those my people? Oh, I took her cool. to New Mexico and she's like, look at all of my people. Oh. She was in the pool and she has like, Oh, that would make me cry. She's just so funny how she processes her life. And, and I really do believe that children can understand a lot more than we think. And they can yeah. handle a lot more than we think. But I like what you're saying. You're letting her lead her questions right. and you're kind of saying, hey, this is an open conversation and you can ask me questions, but let's just leave it there. Right. Because I don't want to overwhelm you and grow into your story. And I I love that so much. And I also think the biggest thing for my kids, and we talked about this off air, for my children, the best resource that we have are other adopted kids. Yeah. Because when you can say, you remember, you know, Silas, like you said, or remember your friend Noah, he is adopted. It's like, oh yeah, I can hear the story because I'm not all by myself. You're not pinpointing me. But also I'm like them. Oh, I have other people like me. And that's really what kids want, whether it's skin color or just the same kind of story. They just want to feel included in a group. Mm -hmm. And so getting an adoption community of friends is so, so important. It it really is. And just because adoptive moms have another layer of understanding that needs to occur Mm -hmm. with regular moms does not occur. So Right. um, Yeah. Good for us too, right? Yeah. We need to have play dates. Yeah, for us. <laughs> if, if only to like uh, acknowledge our fears that we have. Yes. 
you know. And encourage each other and say, oh, yeah, yeah. my, my oh, child yeah. does that too. Or, you know, they yeah. ask this question and then we just feel like, okay, we're doing, we're doing great. And we are moms. You know, yeah. I, I struggle with that sometimes because it's clear my kids are not my biological kids. And it's like, do you think I'm really not a mom? Because I am. I've been up four times in the middle of the night. <laughs> I'm I legit know. their mom. But you still kind of okay. ask yourself, do people think that? Are we validated? And it really doesn't matter. But you have that inner talking to yourself. And, and so to have other people around you that say, hey, I have that too. You're a great mom. Yeah. Yep. Yes. So thank you for sharing your story. Where can people look at your business? They can go to heygirldecor.com and poke around and see our fun chandeliers. That's awesome. So you're a mom and you're running this business. Yes. Yep. (laughs) I'm I'm barely running the business right now, but when kindergarten starts in a year and a half, I'll do better. Yeah. So So are you done adopting? Oh yeah. I'm 47. So at 42, we adopted Lulu and I was like one and done. And you know, that's my journey. Do I wish she had a sibling? I do, but she does have actual siblings that are a lot older, Mm -hmm. but it is what it is. So we just shower with love and she's boiled rotten, but she's also caring and kind and has manners. So it's good. Yes. One more question. How did you get her name? So her real name is Tallulah and my husband and I are both designers and we were watching a show a long time ago on Bravo by the Novacrats, which are a husband and wife team of designers. And they have seven kids and one of their daughters is named Tallulah. And we looked at each other and that was 10 years ago. We were like, yep, that's it. And we just kept it. We never deviated. And Lulu is just a cute nickname of that. It is so cute. And the birth family liked it. Yeah, we asked them, you know, for their permission and they immediately loved it. So, and every time we're out in public and someone asks what their name, her name is, they all, they make like a crinkly cute face. Like, oh, it's so cute. It really is so cute. I'm going to post your picture on our Facebook and Instagram, but thank you so much for sharing your story, Nicole. Thank you, April. I really appreciate the opportunity. Don't forget to like Adoption Now on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and remember all of our podcasts are available on our website at adoptionnow.com. Thank you for tuning in to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. See you next week.